You're listening to a podcast from the BMJ. Welcome to the BMJ podcast. Two recent papers on bmj.com look at the issue of suicide. Later, we'll hear about one intervention which it was hoped would prevent those who've tried to kill themselves once from doing so again. We thought that adding this uh, assertive component would be helpful because we could see that a lot of these people had a very chaotic life and it would really need someone who could uh, help them with managing difficult situations. But firstly, clearly a recession is bad news for people's wealth, but what about for their health? In 2008, suicide rates in the UK began to climb from a 20-year low, of course at the same time that the financial crisis hit. With colleagues, Ben Barr, a research fellow from the University of Liverpool, has looked to see if this is more than a coincidence. And he told me what they found. I began by asking him where they got their data. We had routinely available data on the numbers of suicide uh, reported to the National Statistics and the numbers of unemployed claimants. So initially we looked at the trend in suicides uh, over the last decade. And we found that suicides have been declining in England well, basically since the early 1990s. With the onset of the recession, this trend was reversed. Um, and assuming if that trend had continued, uh, uh, then there would have been a thousand fewer suicides been between 2008 and 2010. Right. And was that evenly split between men and women? The the increase has been much larger amongst men. So there would have been approximately 850 fewer suicides amongst men and approximately 150 fewer suicides amongst women. The full details of your analysis are available in the paper. But, but simply put, you, you took England and divided it up into counties. And then you looked at the unemployment rates and also the number of suicides and how these had both changed between 2000 and 2010. And with that, you found that there was an association between the, the rates of unemployment and these suicides, which held true across the country. How strong is that association? Can you claim causality here? Well, obviously, just from our results alone, we can't concretely say whether this association is causal. But what we know is that there are many other studies which uh, have found a a strong relationship between unemployment uh, and suicides. There are a number of of longitudinal studies that have found uh, that unemployment increases risk of people committing suicide and also attempting suicide and as well as uh, showing an increase in, in mental health issues associated with unemployment. So our results are consistent with other evidence. All of that would suggest that the association is is a causal one. Uh, Do do you think unemployment is is underestimated currently as a a public health issue? And what what do you think the government should be doing to try and tackle this? Well, I think governments don't always recognise the full human costs of unemployment. I mean, clearly behind each of these statistics, there's a personal tragedy for the people involved and their families. Mm. One of the things that we can say is that these suicides could be preventable. In research that's looked at rise in suicide in previous recessions has found that there isn't the same association between rises in unemployment and suicides across all countries. Those countries that have stronger systems of social protection and active support for people who are out of work tend to see less of an association.
association between these increases in unemployment and increases in suicide. Right. Uh, this has been shown in, in Sweden, for example, in the recession in the 1990s. Great. So, I mean, clearly there, there are actions that, that can be taken to try and identify early when people are having problems. For example, many people who, who commit suicide will not necessarily have been in touch with health centres, but the unemployed will often have been in touch with people at the job centre or on uh, government, the government's work programme. One of the things that can be done fairly easily is making sure that the people working on those uh, programmes who are potentially the first people that the unemployed seek help from have been given the training to recognise mental health issues and to attacked early when problems arise. And, and how do you think the current government's done, in a way, o- over the recession? Do you think the, the policies that they've put in place have been um, mindful of the health impact that uh, unemployment can have? Well, our concern is that cuts to public services, uh, which are happening as part of the government's austerity programme, are potentially increasing unemployment in areas that already have high levels of unemployment because it's those same areas that particularly rely on public sector jobs. But what this means is that in those same areas, these cuts are reducing access to services that can potentially help people who have become unemployed. Uh, We've already seen uh, that uh, spending on mental illness by the NHS has fallen for the first time in 10 years. Uh, And anecdotally, we've heard of a number of charities in some of the, the areas of the country that have the highest unemployment that have previously relied on local authority funding that are working with people with mental health problems and, and the unemployed are now struggling as uh, this funding dries up. Mm. Ben Barr there from the University of Liverpool. One of the most prominent predictors of suicidal behaviour is a prior suicide attempt. A median of 16% of those who attempt to kill themselves will do so again non-fatally within a year and 2% will go on to have a fatal episode within a year. And if a patient with any mental illness has an episode of self-harm on top of that disorder, their risk of suicide is doubled. So focusing on those who've made an attempt seems promising in helping to reduce these deaths, but finding successful interventions has proven difficult. A paper recently published on bmj.com examines the efficacy of an assertive outreach programme, and I spoke to co-author Moretti Nordentoft, a professor at the Mental Health Centre Copenhagen, to find out more. So first off, what does this assertive outreach intervention actually consist of? What's the, the pathway that the patients will go through? Yeah, we, we recruit patients after they have deliberate harmed themselves uh, after a suicide attempt and uh, and then they were randomized to either assertive outreach uh, or to standard care and the assertive outreach uh, consisted of a uh, a nurse who uh, offered to pay them home visits or to stay in sms contact with them to go with them uh, to the social services to take contact to their family members and to their schools or whatever uh, in their private or professional network that would be relevant. Quite a few of them used, uh, for instance, the text messages and uh, many of them also found it very helpful that uh, these nurses helped them uh, to solve some of the more or less practical problem in their everyday life. Part of it was also to ensure that patients were referred to relevant treatment but that depended on the diagnostic uh, status of the patient. Okay. 
And how does that compare to the the standard treatment in Denmark, which you, which as you said, you use as a control? Yeah, we used standard treatment in Denmark within the mental health center of uh, Copenhagen, and I think uh, it might actually be part of the problem in the, in the project that this standard treatment is rather well developed. It mm. consists of uh, 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 consultations with a psychologist, uh, where they could have up to ten consultations, uh, depending on uh, how how they developed, uh, how their conditions changed during. Uh, the treatment and it was a psychologist who could practice uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or more eclectic uh, methods. Okay. Do, do you know if that's similar to, to how other countries do or, or is Denmark particularly well developed and, and good at dealing with these patients? In, in many countries you would have uh, such an opportunity but there will be also in even in Denmark, uh, both in Denmark and, and in other countries, uh, people who are not offered very much after a suicide attempt. I, I think that uh, there will also be regions in Denmark where uh, after a suicide attempt you may be referred back to your general practitioner and some will get there, some won't. Uh, mm. So, so I, I think there will be a very great variety uh, with regard to what you're offered after a suicide attempt. And with your participants, they seem very true to what you would see in in clinical practice day to day. I mean, you have adolescents, those with personality disorders, eating disorders, alcohol misuse. However, you didn't include those with uh, schizophrenia spectrum disorders or severe depression, bipolar or dementia. Why did you decide to exclude these patients? That might be uh, something that could be specific for Denmark. The reason why we chose not to include those with psychotic disorders or severe bipolar disorder and dementia is because they are already affiliated with very intensive uh, treatment. So that would sort of interfere. We found that uh, the the system that they were already affiliated uh, with should be able to take care of them also in this uh, situation where they had a period with suicidal ideations. Okay. So tell me what you found. What did your results indicate? The proportion who had an, a, a repeated suicidal act during the first year was 17%, mm. both in standard treatment and in the assertive uh, outreach treatment. And we were uh, surprised and disappointed mm. uh, because we thought that this, with adding this uh, assertive component, would be helpful because we could see that a lot of these people had a very chaotic life and it would really need someone who could uh, help them uh, with managing difficult situations. What What are your thoughts on um, on why you got these you know similar results in the control and the intervention group? Do you think it's simply that this doesn't really work or, or are there other explanations? Yeah, I think there are two explanations. One is that the standard treatment is at a rather high level mm. uh, and and also compared to what we've had previously, you know, there was a pilot study before this one which showed these promising effects and that was why we wanted to replicate it. But I think since the pilot study, the standard treatment has developed and improved. So that's part of the explanation. Another part of the explanation could be that if there hadn't been this nurse who were in close contact with the patient, they, some of the cases, it might have been cases where people were not brought uh, into treatment after an episode of deliberate self-harm. 
Right. But okay. we, we, that's not something we can uh, investigate because, of course, we, if we heard about it, we will need to bring people into contact with health services. Mm. Where do you think this leaves us now? We're trying to prevent those who have had one suicide attempt to, to have another. I mean, there have been lots of studies uh, looking at psychosocial and pharmacological interventions, education, screening tools, media reporting. Do we have any clear directions on, on how to support these patients or is it still very much mm. up in the air? If we think of how to prevent the first attempt, I think it is not very clear what mm. needs to be done. But it's, it is, uh, I, I think you can uh, consider it certain that uh, something needs to be done because I, I think we have also, at least in Denmark, experienced an increase in the number of uh, both young women and uh, young men who mm. uh, go on to the first attempt. So, so we, we need to think what uh, is behind this uh, sad uh, time change. But I also think that after the first attempt, uh, more research is needed because we know that there are these uh, high figures with regard to repeated attempts and also high figures with regard to mortality. The evidence for dialectic behavioral therapy and for cognitive behavioral therapy is increasing and I, I think it's, it's promising both these areas. Uh, but I think a lot, of, um, a lot of things need to be done in order to... Uh, make it fit well into different uh, populations and to also to think of how to, uh, for instance, involve the families. And uh, so a lot of work needs to be done to uh, further develop these interventions. Thanks there to Moretti Nordentoft. Both her paper and also Ben Barr's are available now on the BMJ website. And as with all our research, you can access them both for free. That's everything for this week. We'll be back next Friday, so join us then. Thanks for listening. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.